have a pen war going on right now. Right, and and Fiddy is getting mad at me for not giving the pins when, <laughs> like, what? Why are you getting mad at me no. for taking pins when you are the one that has stolen one from me, and that's why I don't have one anymore? I'm not mad at you. I was actually so Katrina, our our lovely office manager, like came in the side studio and asked us, "Do we need any office supplies?" And I was like, "I need some pins because my guy Walker asks for some, like one every day, and I have to give him mine, and he gives it back." Mm-hmm. So I'm not mad at you. I was trying to get you pens, and then I gave them to you this morning in the fishbowl, mm-hmm. and you just threw them. <laughs> it's just such a lie. <laughs> I gave he you. He threw a- that in like so convincingly. <laughs> I just I get the reason I asked for one now. Now I have multiple in my backpack, by the way. But I gave you one, and it has never found me after I gave you one. And now I have to ask you for one, and I throw it back at you. And now we have a whole pen debate here because Fiddy wants to be out here lying in the streets. Seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. I wanted to continue this Hornets conversation just real quickly. Uh, people are having fun with everyone that you wanted to retire for the yeah, Charlotte Hornets I put six, organization. What, six guys in. You put so. Let me get this straight. You I got, had. All right, let's go back. You got Zoe, LJ. Zoe, LJ, Muggsy. Those are those are must. Dale Curry. Glenn Rice, Dale Curry. Yep. Baron Davis. Baron Davis. So those are six. Um, people are saying uh, no Kimba, right? Oh, Push yeah, mark. Kimba. So there's seven. Yeah. Uh, 910 said, Hunter wrote this in. Wes, I normally agree with you, but you're hanging up way too many jer- jerseys there. <laughs> Uh, 704 asked about Gerald Wallace for the Bobcats. I want to get back to yes, that one in just I a moment. Yes, I said him too. So there's That's eight. eight. Yeah, yeah, Let's go, baby. Let's get a ceremony. <laughs> have them all come in on one night. Parade. Y- y'all got to realize, I'm a Queen City kid. I grew up with this, so it's a little bit of nostalgia going in as well. Mm-hmm. I was a ball boy, too, so there's a little bit of that at play. There is. There is. Yeah. But but this is the question, though, that I have. Like, Do you want to set the precedent that if you accomplish whether there was a lot, but in a short, short stretch of time mm-hmm. or the amount that some of these other players did. I think the two guys that you can retire, I think, I don't know. It's tough for me. Right, Muggsy, Muggsy and Dale. But, but Muggsy, as much as I love him, we're doing that because he's the shortest player of all time. And we, I mean, and we yeah, love I mean, him the man did get a documentary on NBA uh, TV. I mean, he is known. He's a very famous player. Yeah, he's very famous. Like people know him all over the world. Kimba, Kimba, as far as the accomplishments and the no time doubt. spent here, is probably the guy I go to. And then how could we not, LJ? Man, all the attention he gave to the city, the grandma commercials were popping here. He was a two-time All Star, like All NBA. Mm-hmm. I think All NBA should get you in the door for sure. If you make all NBA while you're here, because we don't have a lot of those. I don't mind LJ. I don't. Now, the thing about the relationship between LJ and Charlotte is not great. But other than maybe that would be the thing that would allow that relationship to mend. I do wonder about Gerald Wallace. If we're going to talk about some of these guys, you might raise an eyebrow at that. But that guy defensively meant as much to this organization as any other defender in team history especially with his ability to not only if you go back to his 20 his 2005 2006 season the guy averaged over two steals and two blocks a seat in his one season yeah he's one of only like four players in NBA history to ever do that he did so in 55 games granted but still to have those numbers it's crazy he did have the only all-star appearance in Bobcats history Al Jefferson had an all NBA appearance in Bobcats history. But Gerald Wallace had the only all-star appearance in Bobcats history. So 
does six years here in Charlotte with an all-star appearance. I see seven on pro basketball reference. They say seven. Well, it was the one season where he got traded, okay. I, I guess, you. right? So you're talking about, mm-hmm. I think, having that split up at the deadline, if I'm not mistaken. And that was when, you know, you got, um, I'm trying to think. I think that was the, yeah, it was the Nick. No, and the Nick Batum. Anyway, I'm trying to remember that trade. But Gerald Wall- or Gerald Wallace being here crashed. Like, maybe, maybe. But, yeah, it's tough, man. It's kind of tough. I, I think Kimball Walker would be the guy, but this their history is so hard because you don't want to set a standard that becomes relatively right, so easy compared a, to other NBA teams. That's a good thing to talk about. What what should be the standards then? Texters, let me know. What should be the standard? How many years should it be? Uh and then what type of accomplishments are we talking here to get you retired? Because we're not the Celtics. We're not the Lakers. We're not some of these franchises that are going to have guys that won three championships here and, and different stuff like that. We're not going to have that. So what should the standards be? Well, yeah, I mean, I think you can even go to, you know, you can go to New York if we just want to use that example because it's fresh on the brain. Okay. They don't have a rich championship history. Yeah. And Patrick Ewing is retired, but he's as a, he should be as he should be for sure. But he's a top 50 player. They didn't go. They went to the NBA finals once with him really being a part of that roster and they didn't win. But also, a, a you know, an all NBA type of guy year in and year out. I just think what how many, I mean, there just hasn't been enough accomplishments for a I lot think of these if you guys make all NBA in a Charlotte uniform, automatic. So that would take Muggsy out. That would take. Well, no, that's not the only out. standard for but me. That would I'm take a little Dell more out. nuanced. Yeah. Well, I know it's new. No, I'm trying to be nuanced here too. But at the same time, we're lowering the bar. Here, here's my problem, right? <laughs> the Charlotte Hornets would be. It would be the easiest standard to reach a retired jersey compared to any other NBA team out there. Well, it I, would be. I mean, Muggsy. Like I said, you you got to have a little bit of nuance in there because Muggsy, he's so famous. Like he's. He's known in Charlotte, worldwide. for sure. Yeah, he was, a, he was a really good player here. He was a part of some of the better teams that we've had here as far as talking about playoffs, made it to the second round. Um, but just everything he's meant to the NBA and what he means like to basketball coaches as far as being the little guy that made it. And I, I think that should get him in. I'll tell you this, too. If we're going to allow some of these players in, which is fine, mm-hmm. but LaMelo is going to play his fourth season next year. Yeah. Is LaMelo already worthy of having his jersey retired? Uh, okay. I'm just saying, like, I know. I, but I, I get where you're going. This, I get where you're going. already there. Well, all-star appearance, rookie of the year. I mean, there's some accomplishments there, not team-wide. Yeah, but the, the, the team-wide downgrades it a bit. But, I mean, based off the standards that I'm setting, I see your point. It's tough. That's why I don't want to That's why so, I don't but want these it to guys be the easiest won, standard. Though. Well, not these guys really. Won. We're talking about a playoff series, not Gerald Wallace. LJ won. What? But but well, winning as a playoff series, a playoff series. Right, but but they also had solid teams. Or the Hornets had some good teams for multiple years with these guys. Like they weren't just getting smashed every night. Like they do with no, Melo. no, for sure. You're right about yeah. that. But there's also only one playoff series win, which that would absolutely be the lowest standard in the NBA. Yeah, but and so that's what makes it so hard. I just want to turn it up a little. You bit. don't have the winning tradition. But I think some of these guys off because I, I like to add a little bit more into the mix when you talk about culture, impact, what they meant to the city. I feel like that. I adds get it. To it. No, and I do too. Now, Del Curry, Del Curry. If if you're going to talk about him and his contributions as a color analyst as well, yeah. I kind of get that more because there are there are accomplishments here. 
I would argue, I mean, is he the biggest ambassador to the city as far as a Hornets athlete goes? Yeah, and for Dale, I mean, he's the Hornets all-time leader in points, games played, three-point field goals made, and attempted three-point field goal percentage. So I think well, Kemba's the all-time leader in points scored. Okay, I'm sorry. So this article was it's probably that I'm looking at is a little it's probably aged, dated. It's probably aged. dated. Kemba's going to have won all those six awards. Man. Right. I mean, but you even said it like even with they won six uh, man. You yeah. know, <laughs> I mean, even with, look, I love Dell, man. But he put in. Hell, nah, put I know he's in. still the leader for. Uh, no, did somebody beat his three-point field goals made and attempted? I don't think anybody's beat that yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, AC wrote that by the way. He wants credit. I, I should give you credit. AC is the one that talked about his contributions as a color analyst. Go ahead, Fitty. Um, how have we not said the obvious answer? Okay. Um, can we retire Batum's contract? Can we hang that in the rafters? It ends this year, you know. Finally. The Charlotte Hornets had the longest stretch provision in NBA history, I believe, when they decided, you know what, we don't want to pay him $27 million for one more year and have it come off the books. Let's go ahead and stretch this thing out at close to $10 million a season. That's actually like a rotation contract and maybe even a starter. That is a whole starter that you're just <laughs> lighting on fire for somebody else to have with Nick Batum actually playing pretty well in the role he's playing with the Clippers. You know, y- y'all mentioned Del Curry, and I was thinking about this during the break. Should the Hornets take like the Miami Heat approach, what they did with with MJ's number, and go ahead and just like like whenever Steph announces he's done, retire thirty that away? That because I mean, like that number's got to be retired when it's all said and done, Can right? Can we admit that it's weird Miami did that? I know it's Michael Jordan, but come on. No, because they did it before Chicago did. I know, but like, I mean, <laughs> what I mean, the hell Riley. Are you doing? I mean, Riley was a part of it. Like, he saw it up close and personal. Like, he saw Michael Jordan kick his teams. But if Golden State decided to retire LeBron James' jersey, then how would you feel about that? I think it'd be hilarious because they retired him three times in the finals. I like how fitted Jack my idea from the break. How was that your idea? I literally said it. You guys can fight about who had the idea. Go ahead. <laughs> Fight! Choose your fighter. <laughs> <laughs> I think Curry. I I would be okay with that because he's a Charlotte kid. Yeah, man. I'd be all right with that. It's funny. I. You or know does what? that make us look pathetic? I don't think so, man. <laughs> it's like. Does it look like your organization is so trash that you have to retire the jersey? Because of somebody else? because even with if you want to make that case with Pat Riley, then you did see it up close and personal. What kind of rivalry do the Hornets have with Steph? Like this is all about celebrating, and, and fine, I'm I'm here for the conversation, okay? I don't I'm, think you are. I'm here for the conversation. But the to fact be he's had. a Charlotte kid, though. Okay, but when did Davidson? So should we retire Michael Jordan's jersey because he grew up in Carolina? That's different. They've, he's from the actual city. All right, should play it as Charlotte Christian? Yeah, I I don't know. It's I don't know if or, I can do I that. Which one? Okay, so if he does a one-off here. And just comes here for one year at 39 and stands in the corner and shoots threes. Are you more open to them being the team to do it? No. I'd be okay with Steph. I don't want to say no. I feel really bad about this. I don't think you do, though. <laughs> no, I do. We just, we got to have something. We got to have something that is at least relative and comparable to other NBA standards. If we do this, this kind of screams, we know what it is. We're going to put these people up in the rafters. And then when you actually do possibly build a history, we're going to be like, wait, what are 
what are some of those players doing up there? Mm. You know, when we do have, like, it'll You're be. You're talking about see, a I franchise, think, though, that, that's hung attendance banners. Like, honoring <laughs> well, one of the greatest of all time is not a bad luck. I, but I also think, too, that, that, that native charlatans and people who were here for would understand, at least some of the people. Like, they're definitely going to understand Muggsy, LJ, and Zoe. They're going to understand that. Like, there would be no question in it. There might be some people that disagree with it. Yeah. But when they come in and say, yeah, I could understand why they were titles. No, I don't feel good about it. I just, one, I've always felt it was weird that Miami decided to do that. And then I just think if there are going to be some other cities that have their, you know, whatever NBA team is playing in a city where somebody was real prominent growing up. The problem is even in that time, though, Charlotte didn't realize how great it was until he went to Davidson. You know, like then he, Steph Curry went to Davidson and then it blew up, which which matters. I get that matters. I don't know. It's just hard. I can't. I just don't want to compare like, hey, man, you know, remember the three year stretch for Glenn Rice. We got his jersey in the rafters. And then these other dudes, these other teams have first ballot Hall of Famers hanging up in the rafters. So what's the year standard for you? Five? I think it's got to be close to five. Or or just impressive accomplishments within the three that you played. Okay. Well, he Glenn went three Rice for three it. all-star. Yeah. Okay, but there wasn't. I don't think there was an All NBA appearance in there. You just said though. I mean, like three time All Star back in that day yeah. and time. And back to back to back, Danny won All Star MVP. Yeah, I I have the T shirt. Let's rep more of Glenn Rice <laughs> yeah. because I understand but what it is. Back to back to back. I don't think but there's been gonna, many. But if we're gonna celebrate these guys as far as retiring their jersey, that means you cannot wear their number. Has any anymore. other Hornet gone back to back to back? I don't think any other Hornet's gone three straight All Stars. Kimba, I think Kimba did. And Zoe did. Uh, maybe Zoe didn't make it his rookie year. Maybe LJ didn't either. Okay, yeah. I, it, to me, this is all about the standard that you have, right? Like, to me, I hope to one day achieve a standard that is comparable <laughs> to other NBA franchises and allowing those jerseys to be retired. And the conversation we're having right now, it is a lot more nostalgia-based than it is accomplishment-based. It is. Ooh. And that's okay, but it's yeah, not accomplishment-based. You were right. It's not accomplishment-based. It's not. How many other teams, if you make three all-star teams in a row, are going to, okay, yeah, for sure. Like, let's retire that thing. And you only played those three years. Like, if you played a lot longer, and then, like, that that's what's tough for me. All right. right, let's. I don't like this conversation. I love the Hornets. I love all these players. <laughs> I'm you? wearing the freaking dude's shirt, okay? I'm sorry that I don't want to retire his jersey. you don't want jersey. the man's jersey retired. I, I, feel though, very, I feel very ill about this. I had lots of cognitive dissonance. I want to move on. I don't want this conversation anymore. Go ahead and put Steven Jackson in there, too. Oh, I do love Cap Jack, no doubt. All right. <laughs> DJ all right. Augustine? You convinced me. Uh, no. But DJ Brooke Washington? Lo- Eddie Jones? We could have put Brooke Lopez's jersey up there if they would have drafted him. Let's go ahead and put Eddie Jones. Shy Gil just what about Alexander? an honorary Kobe? I love it. Yes, because they drafted him. Yeah. You know what? Honorary Kobe. I think we need a bigger arena because everyone who has ever worn. Robert Parrish was here for a little Sell bit. Sell him at the team shop and everything. All right. We'll have more players. Maybe we should also retire Alexis Agensis jersey because he was drafted and he was a, the worst selection of all time. Yeah. And we should commemorate that, yeah. I think, by retiring his jersey. Let's go to some more Carolina Panthers uh, conversation on the other side of the break. Coaching upgrades and rookie number projections. It's Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. And here we go, folks. We are back. This is the Wes and Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. 
Charlotte FC Major League Soccer is now in season, and the WFNZ Jack Daniels Doghouse is open for business. The Doghouse doors will open up three hours before every home match. So stop by and get ready for kickoff with some of your favorite friends. Maybe Walker, maybe Fitty. You don't know who could stop by. But join us for the pregame and postgame parties at the Jack Daniels Doghouse coming to you live from the Audi Charlotte studio and brought to you by Jack Daniels, Pepsi, and powered by the Garage Door Guru text line only from Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan Mike Clay from ESPN came out with his rookie projections, and I'm not thrilled about them as I look at them. I think they are a little bit too low, in my opinion. So we'll go ahead and get this thing uh, started talking about Bryce Young. He has him projected at 3,553 yards and 19 touchdowns. I'm telling you right now, if those are the numbers that he puts up, uh, it's not going to be good. And some of the factors that could contribute to that is maybe the Panthers not having a dominant wide receiver. Just from a successful team year is what you're saying? If he goes for 3,519 TDs? Yeah, that won't be good because that's too putrid of a passing game to me to be successful with only 19 touchdown passes. All right, I don't want to butcher his name. I know the last name is Callahan, but what's the first name we got here? Skyler. Skyler. Wow. Okay. I've never seen it spelled that way, but uh, Skyler Callahan Callahan. was on the Kyle Bailey show, and uh, he talked about the Panthers not having a 1,000-yard receiver this year, how he could see this. And I would say even on the offensive side, like I know we've talked a lot about the skill players that they've added, but what if one of these guys just doesn't live up to the billing? Like, Maybe Adam Thielen is running out of gas, or maybe DJ Chark's injury concerns are legit, or maybe Terrace Marshall doesn't take that leap, or maybe Jonathan Mingo isn't quite ready yet. What happens then? Because if any of those things take place, there may be a chance where they don't even have a 1,000-yard receiver this year. All right, Walker, so what are your thoughts on these projections, and what do you think about Skyler and his comments? Well, I mean – I just wanted to provide some reasoning as to why Mike Clay suggests Bryce Young is going to go for exactly 3,553 yards and 19 touchdowns. Because he says zoning in on Young and Stroud, who he has number one and two in the rookie production rankings, he said 12 QBs picked either first or second overall since 2011 appeared in at least 10 games as a rookie. Those 12 averaged about 3,400 yards and about 17 and a half touchdown passes. If we conservatively project 15 starts for Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and take their underwhelming supporting cast into account, projections near those recent league averages make sense. Note that of the 37 QBs drafted in the first round since 2011, only nine, only nine of the 37 QBs were able to reach 20 passing touchdowns as a rookie. So even if you think Bryce Young is on the high side here, right, Mm -hmm. where nine of those guys were able to reach those numbers. I, th- I would take the over on the passing yardage here. I would. But it's always why I've kind of projected 3,800 to where if you reach 4,000, it's a damn good success. Especially comparing these numbers to other QBs that have not been able to reach this mark. And we just talked about how the running game is going to still be a big part of what this Panthers offense does. Even to the benefit of a Bryce Young. Because I don't know if it's the best thing for him to come out here and air it out all over the field when you do have a really good offensive line that is also very good at run blocking 
and then you just paid a decent amount of money to go get a Miles Sanders, especially with Frank Wright coming from a Colts organization that had Jonathan Taylor as the number one fantasy football player when he was on that squad. So there are so many different things that might be working against the Star Wars numbers here where it doesn't mean that Bryce wasn't good, right? I would project the over. I always have kind of put it at 3,800 yards passing. I would take the over on touchdowns. I would say probably, I don't know, 22, 23 if I was Vegas. So these are all the reasons why I think it's okay. Even if I'd still take the over, I understand the reasoning from Mike Clay. And uh, speaking of that, yesterday I did see some clips. C.J. Stroud was trending, and so you know I felt the way when I saw him uh, throwing passes to Tank Dell. Looked pretty good. They were talking about what a good combination those two were going to be. But your boy Pete Prisco was telling you, everybody, everybody looks great. great. <laughs> 100%. All right, so Skylar went on on the same show on Kyle Bailey's show to talk about why the lack of elite wide receiver play won't be the worst thing for the Panthers this year. Let's hear about that. I don't think it's the biggest whatsoever. I think, you know, if even if you don't have a 1,000-yard receiver, I think you're okay as long as you don't have – a situation where you don't even have a running back with a thousand yards. If that's the case, then we all know how the season is going to be. But I think with Miles Sanders and the way he's going to be used in this in this offense, he's going to get some looks in the passing game too. He's going to serve as a security blanket. Hayden Hurst is going to be a weapon over the middle, and they're really going to spread this thing out. Like if you go back and look at the offenses that Frank Reich ran in Indy, they they love spreading the ball around. So there, it may be a thing where. You may have five or six guys with four or five, six hundred yards receiving. You just don't have a, a premier go-to guy, and that's okay too, as long as you're scoring points and moving the ball. All right, so Walker, do you expect him though to be the most productive rookie quarterback in this class, and uh, who comes the closest? I do, I do think. Now, if you're going to add in rushing yards, then that's where it's going to get pretty tricky because Anthony Richardson, I think Shane Steichen and that coaching staff, they're smart enough mm-hmm. to utilize that part of AR. If you're going to run a four-four-four forty at the QB spot, they're going to make sure they use you as a runner. And remember, you have decision makers that just came from the Eagles organization that had Jalen Hurts running for a million different yards too. So I think if we are including rushing yards, I do think when you just amass the total yards from scrimmage, or and I guess that doesn't count for passing yards, but you get the idea. I think I go Richardson. Ah, Yeah, I think I go Richardson just because I expect him to have 500, 600 I mean, you could get to 700 yards more rushing than Bryce Young. It's going to get close between those two. But, yes, I do think Bryce Young is going to have the most passing yards of any quarterback that was drafted in the first round, and even Will Levis, if you want to bring him into the equation, coming in here as the guy that was drafted early in the second. And I do think Skyler discussing Jonathan Mingo as not being a number one wide receiver, Adam Thielen not being a number one, DJ Chark not that guy, I don't think it's a big deal either. I don't think it's that big of a problem. I also agree with him that I don't think any of these guys are going to surpass a thousand. I don't think Adam Thielen's going to reach it. I don't think DJ Tark is, and I don't think Mingo is. And it is because of the offense heavily relying on the run game. If you bring in Hayden Hurst, who is going to have better yardage than Tommy Trimble or Ian Thomas did last year in the last few seasons, then you have to bring that into account. I just don't think there are going to be enough plays to feed everybody enough for some of these guys to reach a thousand yards. And so that's why it's not a big deal. And that's why I also don't think any of them is going to reach one K. Uh, yeah, I would say too, I'd go with Anthony Richardson. They have an okay offensive line. When you look at their projections for this, well, he's got to get healthier coming too. in ranked in the middle of the pack. 
Uh, he's got some okay weapons when you talk about Michael Pittman Jr. You know, I have a little bit of uh, ilk or a little bit of ill will for him based off of uh, fantasy football alone. Jelani <laughs> uh, <laughs> Woods is a young and up-and-coming tight end, like I believe. Him. And then Jonathan Taylor, uh, we, we know what he can do if he stays healthy. So uh, turning the page to the wide receivers in these same rankings, he has Jonathan Mingo. When you look at that position, he's got him as the fourth, fourth highest guy when you talk about projections there. What are your thoughts on that? I, I would take the under here. I was surprised to see this much, honestly. I know it's not a ton, but even with 17 games. 659 and three touchdowns, he's got him down for. Yeah, and the touchdowns, I never know what to project there just because touchdowns are so hit or miss, whatever, mm-hmm. right? If we're just talking about the yardage, though, all right, so you go 650 for Jonathan Mingo. Someone that, by the way, I mean, viewed a little bit as a project. At, at least somebody that had all the skills, but not as much production at all Miss. Maybe you blame that on quarterback play, but is a little bit of a project. So I, I think I would take the under and it have absolutely no bearing on how good I think he could be the rest of the way. I just think that's a decent amount of yardage compared to what I had in my brain. And then if you don't think Thielen or Chark will get a thousand, right? I do expect them to be the two leading receivers on this team. I think both of those guys, as long as Chark stays healthy. And so if you have, let's say 800 a pop for both of those receivers, and then you give Hayden Hurst, 500 to 600 if he stays healthy and then Mingo gets 600 but you also have to take into account what Miles Sanders is doing on the ground I I think it just gets kind of hard for Mingo to be able to reach that I would love to see him reach those numbers but I just think it's a little too high what say you do you think he reaches it yeah and I think that when you look at last year's numbers and I know the quarterback play was much more erratic but that would have put him second on the team last year as far as 659 and three touchdown goals I think if he comes in and does what he's supposed to do, I can see uh, those type of numbers uh, coming for him. We know that we have broken down the per-game numbers you need to get to 1,000. And before it was 63, with was 16 games. Now you have 17 games. So you're talking about 659. I'm not sure what that average would be, but I think so, that's doable for him. Well, and Coach Pauly wrote in, you guys realize that a guy only needs 58 yards receiving a game to hit 1,000, right? Like, okay. Yeah. But once you think, I'm telling you, and we've talked about this before, it is way more simplistic when you think about it that way. Yeah. And then only, so ebbs and flows. only 22 receivers were able to reach that mark. Yeah. So even if you're talking about quite literally if you want to do the literal definition of a number one receiver that means there are 32 guys right if you just want to go literal definition okay number one receiver 32 guys only 22 of those players were able to amass a thousand yards last season because even if you want to break it down oh 58 that's not all that hard yeah but as you mentioned the ebbs and flows are absolutely here and so it's not just all right you get a thousand you get a thousand man it ain't like that You can't just break it down, and so that's why I don't think Thielen is going to reach it. And it doesn't mean he was a bad receiver. It just means that 1,000 is still hard, even if you try to break it down on a per-game basis. All right, so which of these duos do you expect to be the most productive when you talk about Bryce Young and Jonathan Mingo, C.J. Stroud and Tank Dale, or Anthony Richardson and Downs? I'll, I'll start the convo. I would go with Bryce Young and Jonathan Mingo. They seem to have a nice chemistry already I think they have the best offensive line out of the three of these that will allow them the time to throw to each other you look at Houston ranked in the bottom realm of the league when you talk about offensive lines I think CJ is going to have a tough time there but I, I do like the Stroud Tank Dale combo and and I like Anthony Richardson and Downs too Downs has looked really good 
early on as well. Like we said, everybody looks good uh, in many camp, and their offensive line is decent. And in that Shane Steichen offense, I think he'll definitely scheme ways for downs to get open. But I would go with Bryce Young and Jonathan Mingo just because of what I think of Bryce as a quarterback. I think he has the best offensive line. And I think he and Mingo, just if if everything is true, what the coaches are telling us as far as Mingo being just as much of a gym rat as Bryce Young is and how they communicate so often, you know, they're going to go throw together and things of that nature. I think they're going to have really good chemistry. I think to me, all of those things, when you put them in a pot, I think that leads to Young and Mingo being the best duo. Well, the the only reason, I, I think so too. I think Bryce Young and Jonathan Mingo will combine for the most amount of yards when it comes to passing yards and even just the connection between those guys. I do think that's going to happen. The only reason I give a little pause to Houston being here, it's the fact that they don't have a whole lot of wide receiver help over there. Yeah. So it's why I love what all three of these teams did, by the way. It, it's a fun question, right? Because each of these teams got their first round QB and then they picked up a wide receiver pretty early. Hell, we all thought Josh, Josh Downs might be there at 39. Yeah. He was there to be had at in the 80s where the Colts were able to select him. So I love what each of these is, teams and did. And is this most productive this season or is this just overall? Well, I would say this time. season. Okay. And then you could go, you know, I mean, you could you can change it however you want to. We can adapt and we can fly, baby. That's how we can roll. <laughs> but with the receiving yardage this season, Brandon Cooks is no longer with Houston. I know that they have a John Mechie that they were ready to, you know, had the bad injury at first, did not allow him to play a single down, if I'm not mistaken. And then John Mechie is going to be in the fold. But is Mechie enough to just take all of the targets away from Tank Dell? West, your boy might have asked for a decent amount of yards. They got Robert Woods as well that they picked up. So Robert Woods, someone that is certainly on the down downward trajectory after what we saw from Tennessee last season. So maybe Robert Woods would be out there. But Tank Dell might be used quite a bit. And so that's the only one that I would worry about. I don't think it's going to be Josh Downs just because I think they're going to use Anthony Richardson's uh, legs a lot. And plus, you still have Taylor there. So Jonathan Taylor, when healthy, one of the best running backs in the league, I think those guys are going to take some yardage away. I think it's going to come down between Tank Dell and Mingo. Ultimately, I'll go with the Panthers, but I think it's close. Yeah, I would say if I had to project long-term, I like the Stroud Tank Dell a little bit better just because I like Dell more coming out of the draft. I think he's going to be a really good player. I also think a lot of C.J. Stroud as well, and also because I think the Panthers, I do like Jonathan Mingo, but I'm not sure he's going to turn into what they think as far as just full potential, and I think the Panthers will eventually – go out and find a guy that will be that that number one, that alpha guy. We'll see if Mingo can prove to do that, but that's why I like that duo maybe long-term, but I think early returns, I think Young and Mingo will be the better because of all things considered. All right, so we have some texts that are pretty high on DJ Chark being able to reach 1,000. I'm not seeing a lot of that for Thielen, Wes, and I know that's kind of been a debate of ours as we approach the regular season, but it seems like a few people here on the text line are saying it's DJ Chark that you could – count and see a thousand from him as long as he stays healthy throughout the season. I feel like that caveat has been overused, but it's true. Yeah. We just know the injury history for him. But if he is healthy enough, let's say he plays 14 games, something like that. Is he the most likely option to reach 1K or do you believe it's still Thielen? I still think it's going to be Thielen just because of the fact that I think he is the number one. And I think that, and, and let's just stop saying that they stay healthy because we know that's pretty I would love obvious. it. All yeah, right. Because all right. I, I do that a ton too. All right. All right. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's do this under the umbrella. Eliminate it. Understand. Even if you tune in tomorrow, 
It is always under the caveat that they stay healthy. <laughs> right, right, right. Continue. Yeah, I think Adam Thielen will be the number one guy, and I think with his route running and his savvy, I just think he has a little bit more left in the tank than people give him credit for. He got a lot of targets last year in Minnesota having to play with Justin Jefferson. So now that I think now that he's the guy, I think he, he's going to he's gonna do some work. So, uh, But to do more work for us here. Mm, he's dancing get, already. Uh, I like it. Yeah, let's get uh, Josh Fitty Marlowe for his second Fitty Flash of the Day. Hit it. It's alright to be a little It's probably a good thing, guys, y'all didn't say flash when y'all, y'all threw it one of my flashes because I was going to do it in the studio. Oh. And we got our sign guy out here fixing the sign outside the, the window. <laughs> That's right. And I didn't want to scare him back off because he's doing a really good job. I think last week is the time when you were really starting to flash us quite literally so. So, yeah, maybe we just <laughs> keep that shirt on while company is around. Yesterday may have been our visit to the man, but let's take a look around Major League Baseball. A lot of day games going on right now. And Texas is leading Pittsburgh 3-2 to two in, a, in a battle of two surprise teams in Major League Baseball. Arizona leading the Phillies 1-0. The Guardians and the White Sox, they're tied in the top of the third. More importantly, no bird accidents to report as of this moment. <laughs> the Brewers up 2 to nothing on the Astros. And in Minnesota, it's tied 1-1 to between the Giants and the Twins. Tonight, the Braves will look to bounce back after losing back-to-back games at home against the Dodgers. And last night, the Oakland A's, who lost again, they fell to 10-40. And they are off to the worst start in Major League Baseball since the 1932 Boston Red Sox. Who is? What was that team that you were mentioning there? The A's. The A's are off to the worst start. Um, I'm just glad it's not the White Sox because they had an awful run for a while. <laughs> but now they're at least 20 and 30, which I'll take after the start they had. All right. And so I want to add on too to the Fitty Flash. I just saw breaking on Instagram that NCAA Football 24 will include the transfer portal. So uh, there's more reasons to throw your joystick and have game of rage because I know that I probably <laughs> That should be a lot of fun. All right, so when we return on the Weston Walker Show, it's Fitty's Favorites on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We're partying in the Planet Kia Studios. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ broadcasting live from the Planet Kia Studios, the best place on the planet to buy a car. Mm, mm, mm. I love that beat. I just wanted to let it roll for a little bit. Because we're partying, Fiddy's dancing, twerking, moving the shoulders a little bit. He's moving because he's ready for everybody's favorite segment outside of Fire Fizzle. Don't get at me, Wes. Fire Fizzle's the favorite. (laughs) Fiddy's favorite. Fiddy's favorite could be the next favorite. But that's what we got here. Sports venues Fitty wishes he could have seen. That's coming at you right now. Fitty, lead the way. Coming up at number five. Number five. All right. So, yeah, coming off uh, the all-star race going back to North Wilkesboro, I I, I listed my venues I wish I could have seen sports take place at a number five. And this is just television, right? Like, it, it just yeah. has to be in existence. It doesn't have to be with you in attendance at the venue. Yeah, because I haven't really traveled all, you know, to see a lot of different sporting events. Number five, we start with the tribute to NASCAR. At a track, they last raced there in 2004, and maybe one day in the future, NASCAR will return there. And that's Rockingham Speedway. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I know in all of y'all's travels, y'all are literally somewhere every other weekend going, you know, because y'all are big time celebrities traveling the Carolina. Yeah. Y'all have had to <laughs> ridden by the old Rockingham Speedway. I would always kind of get cold chills. My dad would tell me about old races there, but I don't remember them racing there because I don't. I wasn't watching NASCAR when I was eight. This one not nearly as high on the list for me as the other ones, but I could see this. Old racetracks are cool. I think that would have been cool, yeah. Yeah, Rockingham is cool. Now, I, it's funny because the one that I'll pass by the most is Darlington, and I do think it's fun how people will just ride. Like, you know, there's that road inside the highway that goes around it, too, and so many people will try to tour Darlington as soon as you drive by it. So I could see how Rockingham... Maybe leaves you a little bit with the goosebumps when you pass by it. So pretty cool. Again, with NASCAR embracing its history, it's nostalgia, just mm-hmm. like we've been doing with the Hornets all day, um, doing that with Wilkesboro. It'd be cool to see that with Rockingham. All right, fitting number four. Number four. All right, so this, I, I have seen like replays of games here, but I didn't get to experience it. And even though Wes is pretty old, he didn't either, and neither has Walker. Um, I would have loved to see Carolina play in Carmichael Auditorium. I think it would have been fantastic the way they talk about the environment back in the day, how it used to be hot, just like Cameron Indoor is. Right. Um, and, and stuff like that. And like whenever you watch the replays of the games, you can get that sense of that of that environment. But like, you know, it's 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 a replay game. You're not you're not feeling it through your television in the moment. So I was talking with somebody a couple weeks ago that went to North Carolina during the time that Phil Ford was there, and it was during that 77 season. Of course, they would fall in the championship to Marquette that year, but it was around that time. They said this person went to Carmichael, and then they were just they were sitting on the bench or sitting in the stands for whatever reason, right? I think they were meeting somebody there or whatever, and then the whole squad comes through, and then they have a crazy scrimmage where he was like begging to be chosen to also play some pickup with Phil Ford with Tommy Lagarde that was also on that squad everybody starts walking in and he's like oh yeah please pick me please pick me they didn't and he just stayed and had a great time watching them play a cool pickup game but Carmichael a lot of people feel the nostalgia big time this not number one for you because Dean Dome is probably a little bit more special I would imagine yeah because of the Dean Dome like for all of its flaws it's still a big game environment and it's still no i mean number one on this list how is carmichael not number one for him on this well i I, maybe you could speak for yourself here (laughs) but what i would say is like these other venues are probably held in higher regard than the current venues right i don't know if that can be said for carmichael compared to the dean dome where the dean dome is going to be more historic when you compare both of the venues does that make sense Yeah, exactly look and unc played a one-off back during the 2019 season look i I have seen it happen one time it was still different and, and the dean dome is still one of the best venues in all of college basketball all right what you got next for us fitting Number three. All right, number three. We've been doing a lot of Hornets nostalgia today, talking about retiring Glenn Rice's number, Lamella Ball's number, Nicholas Batum's contract. How about getting to see the Hornets play in the old Coliseum? Something that I never got to experience because by the time I was even of age to start watching basketball, they had done left town and they came back as the the Bobcats in the Spectrum Center. I've heard many great stories about it from y'all two from Colin Hoggard, a bunch of different people. 
I would have loved to have been able to be alive to see that happen 41 times a year. So I was pretty young. I wasn't crazy young, right? Like I was right at that age where when they left the city of Charlotte, they eventually moved when I was nine or 10 years old. And so getting to go to some of those games when I could remember the games I attended back then, anywhere from like, what, six to eight, nine, something like that. It was always a really fun experience. But Wes, you could speak to this a lot more. Everybody like there's I'm sure there's a lot of listeners that love that experience as much. as. Oh, yeah, it was great, man. Every time you got to go to a Hornets game, it felt like the school day took that much longer to get by because you know that you were going to the arena to watch the game, the Coliseum, man, just and also all the other events that they had there but there was nothing like hornets games hugo is also the goat mascot too right oh yeah hugo's amazing yeah. i'm glad we still have him like of all mascots or just nba mascots in my opinion i'll take him over anybody i'll NBA. take him over. you know what and i anybody. think retire his jersey for sure hugo deserves to hugo be hugo should go no question about it and super hugo <laughs> Super Hugo spot. <laughs> Two-time dunk champ. Yeah, I love Super Hugo as well. Three-time, I think. I have no problem. Maybe you hang the wings in the rafters. Maybe the antennae. Whatever you want to do there with Hugo. But yeah. should be remembered. We may have just got tomorrow's fire physical. That was a hot take out of you, Slim. I don't know if he is the best mascot of all. I've done mascot. Yeah, he has. Have you? Wes has yeah. done mascots. I must Hugh- have missed that one. Hugo was straight fire. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, Fiddy. What do you have next for us? Number two. All right. My last two are going to be baseball themed. And I went with the Brooklyn Dodgers playing at the old Ebbets Field just because it's one of the more historic old venues in baseball that no longer exists. They now got like housing there, which I guess would still be kind of cool. Like you get to live in a house where a historic baseball venue uh, was taking place. If you ever want to be a broadcasting like nerd, I used to listen to old Vince Scully games when he was starting out as the Brooklyn Dodgers. And him calling games at Ebbets Field and describing, like, the scene and stuff like that is awesome. Uh, you kind of mentioned the polo grounds, but I went Ebbets Field for me number two walk. Yeah, closed in 1958, demolished in 1960, and still holds this type of regard for someone that is a baseball fan, but also as young as 26 years old, and it still kind of holds this prowess as being one of the best sports venues of all time. And so I think that says a lot. I mean, we're talking about 1960, yeah. okay? It's a long time ago <laughs> for this thing to be demolished and still appear on a 26-year-old's list. Number one. Number one. All right. The last one I said, the last two were baseball themed. You're probably going to say, how is this number one? But for me, it was Mets and Shea Stadium. Like the Mets quit playing in Shea in 2008. I wasn't a Mets fan in 2008. It was like three years later, I became a Mets fan. They're now playing in their home now, which, of course, is City Field. And it's something that Willie kind of scolds me about because I wasn't a Mets fan during the glory days and getting to see them play. But... You know, the pictures, the the way it was built and stuff like that. Steve Cohen has flirted the idea of bringing back the old seats that were blue and orange in Shea Stadium yeah. at City Field. I want, I want that to happen. So with Shea, here's another question I have for the text line. For any of you Atlanta Braves fans out there, how much do you love Shea Stadium? Because I wonder oh. with I'm just look I'm just asking because it's not the Brave Stadium, <laughs> but even Chipper Jones named his kid after Shea Stadium because he dominated in that park. So I wonder if Atlanta <laughs> Braves fans like the whole rival nostalgia stadium, also having a player dominate enough to where they wanted to name their kid after the venue. I think Atlanta Braves fans are probably like, nah, Shea Stadium's up there. It's pretty cool. I think they would put that up there as well. Wow, that's that's so ill that he named his son that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. What would would you name your kid, uh, Cameron? 
Did he? <laughs> that dude, that's that's. I actually really haven't thought about that. Mm-hmm. But no, I you're, wouldn't. You're not gonna name your kid Cameron. I would imagine that would be a banned name. <laughs> Sounds like a taboo word. Sounds like a bad word or a curse word. An yeah. FCC violation in the Fitty household. That'll do it for Fitty's favorites, the sports venues he wish he could have seen. Feel free to share your thoughts and comments on it. Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. Let's get back to some Carolina Panthers conversation alongside the Charlotte Hornets and what they'll do at the number two spot. Still a lot more to get to in the last hour of Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.